You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out all trouble and drum. Beat out. And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum And kick all trouble out the door Kick him 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 out the door Okay, our microphones are on, Sue. That must mean that we're live on air Yikes. Yikes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, we were just saying that this is a first for both of us here on the Radical Australia program on International Women's Day, the mighty 3CR. My first time kicking Joe out of the studio and hosting and your first time as one of our guests. Yes, I'm so used to being in your position, not this one, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as I just mentioned, welcome to this special uh, episode of Radical Australia for International Women's Day. You're listening to the mighty 3CR Community Radio on 855am. We're also streaming at 3cr.org.au and you can listen back to any of our episodes as a podcast on our webpage that's 3cr.org.au forward slash Radical Australia and yeah so it's pretty exciting it's all girls here yeah happy International Women's Day everyone yeah and it's been a great day of programming so far including the wicked music we just heard from Kate and Susie (laughs) on lazy Wednesday afternoon but um now we're here and um, yeah, my name is Kelly. I'm usually producing the program. Today I'll be um, doing a bit of both, producing and hosting. And I'm here with the lovely Sue Robertson. So welcome to um, Radical Australia, Sue. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> oh, wow. Applause and everything. <laughs> and the crowd's happy to have you here too. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, you're involved here at 3CR. I am. We'll speak about that in detail a bit more, but do you want to tell our listeners briefly what you do around the building here? Um, well, I'm both a broadcaster um, on the Done by Law program and also I, for quite a long time now, have um, conducted the media law, in particular the defamation law training for volunteer broadcasters here the um, rebellious group that we all are. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay, well, as I said, um, we'll come to those details a bit later, but um, let's start at the beginning of of your life so we can learn about your life journey up to now. (laughs) This is only half an hour long, this program. (laughs) (laughs) Joe likes to say it's about 56 minutes long, just all about you. (laughs) 
Is it an hour? It's an hour. Oh but, gosh! But we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> you know mix it up with a bit of music. You've brought in some music <laughs> for us to listen to. Three of your all-time favourite female vocalists. So mm. we're going to play those tunes and um, you can talk about why they're important to you as well. Mm-hmm. But um, starting at the start, just to orient our listeners, what year were you born in? I was born in 1958. 1958. Mm-hmm. And um, whereabouts was that? In Sydney. Oh, you're a Sydney girl? Yes. So, But I didn't live there for very long. I lived... Um, most of my family are West Australian and, uh, in fact, third generation, some of them, West Australian, fourth generation, actually, some of them. And uh, But I was born in Sydney and lived only for about 18 months in Sydney on a houseboat on the Parramatta River, which wow. is what people with not lots of money did in those days. But, of course, now you'd need a bucket load of bucks for that if you would be allowed to, I think. Mm. How did your, with your mum and dad? Yes, with my mum and dad, yeah. And how did they come to be living on a houseboat? Well, um, they came across from WA for, dad was looking for work um, and uh, he was, they, they basically didn't have a lot of money and it was the cheapest um, accommodation they could find pretty much okay we've just got someone uh <laughs> someone walking in joining the us into the studio looking for some music um looking for their stuff <laughs> oh someone's jacket that i'm sitting on mm-hmm. um okay so it was the cheapest form of accommodation that they could get as i understand it in 1958 were they mm-hmm. how 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 long before you were born had they been in sydney oh uh, they came across i think when mum was pregnant with me okay uh, yeah yeah, it's a bit of a, a story there that's probably left unsaid. <laughs> they just yeah. Do you want to talk about a bit about uh, the background because we do that too on the on the show? Yeah, it's up to um, you. Yeah, uh, suffice to say, I was an unexpected okay <laughs> um, event, and uh, I've been a rabble rouser ever since. <laughs> Do you, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have one of each, and they were born in different states of Australia. So wow! Mm. So your family's been around the continent mm. a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, so um, do you have memories of living on this houseboat, or do you have photographs that yes that trigger there's memories? A, there's a hilarious photo of me sitting on the potty. <laughs> <laughs> When I was being toilet trained. As you do. How embarrassing. I just said that in public. <laughs> I think I've got one of those or a few of those, yeah. But I do. I actually do. It's funny what you remember. I my mum. I remember my mum. I was a toddler, um, so I learned to walk quite young apparently. According to her, when I was about nine months old, I stood up and walked and then sat down and went, well, I've done that now. I didn't do it for a few months more. But um, I remember... One time she was cooking and um, I think she might have been, I, I don't know, uh, my memory or my, my thought is that it was toffee, but um, I put my hand, She, I remember her saying, don't put your hand up here. And of course, <laughs> I put my hand up there and burnt it. And um, I remember her putting butter on my hand because that's what they did in those days. Put butter on my hand to soothe it and saying, I told you. That's all I remember. Is that your first memory of being alive on planet Earth? Oh, gosh. I think it might be. 
Yeah. Wow. My first memory of being alive on planet Earth. Yeah, I think it might be. Mm. Yeah, it's so funny whenever we ask that question. Um, a lot of people, their first memory is being outside ah. somewhere. It must really be very impressionable when you're, when you're, so, you're so young, being mm. running in some grass or being mm. outside with the family somewhere. I think mm. maybe the um, houseboat was kind of outside in a way, you know, um, and I do remember that there is an, an interesting um, sort of sensory memory that I have from my adult life when I went to visit the spot where the houseboat was moored. Oh, you went back there? Yeah, I went back there um, only a few years ago, like maybe five or six years ago with a, with a girlfriend. And um, what was really amazing was that um, around that sp- spot, which is actually now where the um, Olympic Village has been built, of course, it wasn't there, and it was um, mangroves, and the smell of the mangroves actually made me it made me quite emotional. I, the, that that um, scent of the uh, the smell of the harbour always has been the, of Sydney Harbour has always um, created that sort of sense of home or something. That really weird, you know, very far back in your back of your brain somewhere, yeah. you know. Um, memory so yeah it's a very sensory um, thing Mm. I'm intrigued by you're the first person I've ever known who's um, kind of born on a houseboat um, Mm. in Sydney so like was it what kind of so it wasn't like a really big flashy thing I'm trying to get a visual idea oh no yeah how I wish (laughs) Um, I actually don't know Um, I know that it was sort of wooden and and the, my mum and dad and my dad probably still has it my mum passed away a long time ago but my dad um has shown me these uh, f- uh newspaper cuttings of when I was a, a child on the houseboat um so newspaper when I was very cuttings. small yes because there was a huge storm and the houseboat um broke its moorings I think or we were caught in the we were caught in the storm I don't remember that at all it's interesting I don't I remember burning my hand but I don't remember that storm but there there's you know a photo of me being held by my mum and yeah yeah on the houseboat so yeah yeah and you said you have two siblings Mm. are they older than you did you say no I'm the eldest you're the eldest Mm. And um, brothers or sisters? One brother and one sister. Okay. Mm. Are you all quite close in age? No, no. My brother is about 18 months younger than me and my sister is 13 years younger than me. Oh, wow, wow. Yes, yeah. Wow. Um, so she was a bit of a change of life baby for mum, I think. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, and do you want to tell us um, what kind of um, – what did your parents do for work? What kind of work was, was your dad looking for by moving from Perth to Sydney? Um, well, he was so my mum was a nurse and um, a trained nurse, and uh, I always remember that there's these wonderful photos. I don't know if she's they're still somewhere in the you know in the coffers at home somewhere um, in Dad's place, but um, there's these wonderful images of her and her nurse buddies um, piercing each other's ears in the in the sterile using all the sterile equipment. <laughs> In the hospital, she did her training at Fremantle Hospital in Perth and she used to tell me stories about how um, payday, her treat on payday was to go and get herself a granita down in, in Fremantle, which is, of course, where all the Italian migrants were. And so a granita was quite 
exotic, um, an exotic thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, in those days, and a, a treat and lemon, a lemon granita. What kind? Of, what decade would that have been, Sue? Gosh, <clears throat> maybe the uh, maybe the late forties, early fifties, the early fifties. Yeah, yeah. I think she was about twenty-two when I was born. So yeah, yeah. Your mum was a nurse. Yeah. Um, and of course, as as happened in those days, when you get married and have a baby, um, you know, uh, women were expected to stay at home, and and so Dad would, became the breadwinner, and uh, he worked in aviation, and he was looking for um, work in in uh, on the east coast in aviation, and. Uh, he moved around, we moved around quite a lot until he worked for, I don't know if you remember, a company called Amoco, which is a, a fuel, com- a petrol company. Um, it doesn't, it's not here anymore. Um, but uh, Is that an Australian-owned company? No, I think it was American, but, oh, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, yeah. And uh, so eventually he settled in that company and, you know, as was the way for white-collar workers in those days, uh, the um, the aim was to stay in the one place and, and move up through the ranks, uh, yeah, which, which is what he did until he retired and we well, didn't really retire. He, he decided to go into his own business with my brother. So, and so mum was a um, a stay at home mum mostly until so she had to give up her nursing mm, pretty much. Mm, mm, um, yeah, that was my yeah. That was the way life was in mm. those days, you know. And then actually what's really, yeah, I'd forgotten. I had forgotten that um, when we came back from in Sydney, we, we actually lived in a little tiny town in WA called Three Springs. And mum and dad were, and dad is still an incredible swimmer. He's really, he he's... It's actually his birthday today. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday. What's your dad's name? John. Happy birthday, John. <laughs> and uh, he um, has been a surf lifesaver for his entire adult life. And uh, so when we went back to WA, we lived in Three Springs and we were really little. Um, and I don't remember this very much, which is odd because I, you know, I was a little bit older than in the houseboat, but... My brother was um, born then and um, they, mum and dad were the managers of the local swimming pool and mum, mum always used to say that she actually had to teach us to swim when we were really little because we would just jump in anyway. <laughs> so she was trying to save our lives by <laughs> teaching us how to swim. So, yeah, and then, you know, he came they – came, they they tried to find work over here. I'm not sort of super clear about the details, but then eventually came back over to Victoria. And so I've lived most of my life in Victoria and consider myself a Victorian. And so lastly on that, um, what kind of, what particular skill did your dad have in aviation? Oh, he was a white collar worker. So yeah, he, he, um, like technical not, stuff? No, no, no um, clerical administrative stuff. Yes, stuff. Ad- administrative. Yes, okay. administrative. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. He, he, um, no, he didn't have any of the technical side. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um, your dad's still alive, your mum's passed. Yeah. But what kind of um, 
What would you like to say about your parents? What kind of personalities did they have? What kind of parents were and are they to um, you three? Uh, they were – my mum was – um, I'm smiling. You can't. The listeners can't hear, but I always smile when I think about Mum. She was a um, a, a wonderfully um, vivacious woman, um, and uh, uh, Dad was away a lot because his job took him sort of he um, away. Uh, so it was, uh, you know, my memory of lots of my childhood is Dad being away um, and sort of being back. Um, and then going away again, you know, um, which was quite common in those fly, days. Fly, like fly in, fly oh, out. Oh, no, 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 he wasn't fly in, fly out. He was, um, so we went to live, when we came to Victoria, we stayed in, um, we lived in Reservoir for a little while and then Dad became, um, we moved to Gippsland, to Terelgan, which is where my bro- my sister was born. And um, we, uh, he was a sort of, he, he managed all of the business for the um, for Amoco, the petrol company um, in Gippsland. So um, that meant that that was quite a lot of travel. You know, you'd have to go and see all of the different um, uh, service station owners and just driving on the highways. Yeah, a lot. yeah, and and staying away. You know, mm, um, yeah, that's so, tough. Yeah, it was a bit hard for Mum, and yeah. yeah. So they 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 must were, have missed each other. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. That's not a memory of mine, which is really. Funny. How could you know between a couple anyway? Yeah. You know, as a child, you don't know what goes on between yeah. them in that way, do we? That's right. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. And so I did, but I did do primary school sort of here, and then down in Gippsland, and then second some secondary school in Gippsland, and all that time they were. Um, you know, working to support us, the three of us. And, uh, yeah, so mum mum used to do all sorts of different – she she did all sorts of different jobs. And, in fact, when my sister came along, she was actually training to be a teacher's aide. And she worked – I remember that she worked in this place that was a special school for um, kids with Down syndrome – and it was not very far away from where we lived in um, Terelgan. And uh, I, I always remember that when it was my first sort of contact with, because in those days um, children with Down syndrome were kept out, sort of separated out and, um, and educated together. And so my first contact was always, you know, uh, when mum was working there I had, and I was sick we had to go and spend the day with her and the, these children were just I just remember the beautiful happy faces mm. and you know that it was a really wonderful place to be when you were sick <laughs> all these happy smiley faces yeah <laughs> that's what I remember from being yeah and your dad's personality um he's more reserved he's a man of his his time you know um yeah so uh yeah uh yeah he's He's, uh, he's very fit. He's still swimming. Yeah, and playing he's golf. He, he swims in the sea. Um, um, here in Melbourne? No, no, in, in Perth. He's, so he's a oh. life member of the Cottesloe Surf Lifesaving Club. And uh, he, he, uh, still, he actually still competes in swim races at the, at the surf club. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> at 87. <laughs> Have you got any um, 
photos of your father in his um, budgie smuggler oh, I do. We should put There's that on the, on the web. You know, oh, I don't know. I'll nice. ask his permission. time. <laughs> <laughs> there are quite a few and there are old ones. My, my yeah. life as a, um, as a youngster was, you, you know, he didn't stop being a surf lifesaver when they came over here. So my, my weekend life, especially in summer, well, actually only in summer, I suppose, um, was at um, – surf lifesaving uh, club carnivals and so on and dad always belonged to a surf lifesaving club wherever we lived and uh so i i as a kid i i remember the the lifesavers on the beach and you know the boaties and the you know the the rescue and resuscitation teams and he used to coach them uh yeah so uh the march past i always remember the march past if listeners that? uh, that's that's when uh, all of the diff- all of the different uh, uh, clubs that are there on the beach in that particular carnival um, get all dressed up. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the um, sort of um, one piece bathing suits they had. They had for blokes. For blokes. Oh yes. Yeah, you have L- the little boy with the little boy shorts. Yes. Yeah. Little, yeah. Like, they're sort of like things. yeah, yes, like yes. W- women wear them. They're pretty funky. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, those and they had all of their c- club colours and they would, you know, um, the old school. They don't use these anymore to um, rescue people, but the old school surf lifesaving reel. Yes. Yeah, where the you know it's a symbol of surf life saving, but it's not um, uh, it's not used so much anymore. It's as instead they use um, those rubber duckies and you know um, surfboards and yeah. But um, they used to so they used to march in formation in along the beach, and there'd be sort of this long section of the the beach uh, sectioned off. And they used to march in their colours and, and, and it was part of the competition. And the march past was, you know, they had to – very stylized marching um, and had to be all together. And, um, yeah, I, I remember that. But the thing that I remember most is there were no women. So on International Women's Day, there were no women surf lifesavers. The women, like, um, like the book Puberty Blues – sat on the beach and watched and these men yeah did did their stuff you know uh and you know amazing stuff you know um, <laughs> protecting our beaches and it's a very wonderful long sort of history of community based um um sport but it was it's very nice to see women there now <laughs> very very nice to see them absolutely yeah. mm. well we might um go to a couple of announcements mm-hmm. and play one of your favorite songs oh. i'm not sure which one but i'll, I'll yes, play it and then we'll announce Kelly's it when twiddling we... her fingers there. Mm, <laughs> which one will i play <laughs> and then when we come back um you can tell us about it oh okay <laughs> you're listening to radical australia on 3cr community radio special international women's day broadcast with kelly and sue robertson we'll be back after these messages So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. 
Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. You're listening to Radical Radio on 3CR. 855 on your AM dial, 3CR digital, and podcasting and streaming on 3cr.org.au. And you're back on Radical Australia 3CR with Kelly and Sue Robertson for our very special International Women's Day broadcast. And we just heard from the really foxy 
She mm. was very foxy, she wasn't was. she? Nancy Sinatra. These yeah. boots are made for walking. What can you tell us about her and that song and why you've chosen that one today, Sue? Uh, I That song um, resonates in lots of ways for me in relation today. Firstly, the, the video, if listeners look it up online, they're all in these sparkly mini, mini, mini skirts. It's a little bit reminiscent of Shania Twain's uh, Feel Like a Woman. You know that oh. vid with the women behind her? She must she have been inspired by that, for sure. Yeah, or I think she was also taking off Robert Plant's. Yeah, oh, but, right. But um, this is way before that in the 1960s and the, these women are all, uh, there's no men in it and they're, uh, they're all dancing around and they've got these outrageous spiky stiletto black patent pointy boots on that it's so cool and I think you know for me this this is a song about you know it's an uh, a woman who's found her power and um and she's and for me that's kind of uh extrapolates out to the world we're we're in now and and that women are finally finding their power and um, she's going, you know, look out, here we come. And that's that's what I really like about that song. Look out, we're coming, I'm coming. And um, it speaks to me of the the personal and the political. You know, it's a very personal, you know, it's a story about someone who played up on, on someone but also you, you, who, who hasn't told the truth and hasn't really had integrity and, you know, so it kind of speaks to that sort of bigger picture, you know, um, uh, pale male stale kind of stuff you know that the, you know and I hadn't I heard kinda, that expression before oh haven't you oh. <laughs> I'm sure some of your listeners have oh, I'm sure yeah they yeah have. The, the pale male stale yeah yeah the, you know which is sort of shorthand for the the um those upper class white men who've been in charge for such a long time and it's it's stale and um it just also like the image of all these women in these boots coming coming f- feels a little bit like when I look at parliament now and there's all the women coming and I look at I mean I'm a lawyer by training and the high court is now a majority of women um you know so we're coming we're coming and me too movement has you know, really um, open the space for our voices and for our spiky, black, patent, pointy boots. Here we come. <laughs> I've got to check out that clip. <laughs> yeah, you do. They're, they're just, the, the sparkly minis are awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Mm. So um, let's pick up where we left off. So um, born on the houseboat on the Parramatta, mm. but you didn't stay in Sydney for very long where did the family go to after that well uh, as I said we went over to Western Australia but we didn't stay there very long because there wasn't much work over there so we were, came to back to Victoria this in the 60s yeah the 60s. 60s and 70s yes yeah and then um you know I did my teenage years were in the 70s were in uh Dandenong really yeah in um, eastern eastern Melbourne. How old were you when the family finally settled in in Victoria then? Uh, I was, oh gosh, uh, I started school in Victoria, oh, but yes. we moved around Victoria a lot. So um, I went to, I think, six different schools across my primary and secondary life. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Do you think, um, what was that like having to move around schooling? Difficult? Um, I guess in some ways it was, although I was a bit of a girly swat. So. Girly swat? What's yeah. a swat? Uh, um, that's, gee, gosh, I'm using <laughs> um, some old school terms here. A, a bit of a nerd. Yeah. A bit of a, a book nerd. You like you like learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my escape was actually into books. So I could. There's a story I tell my my friends about. You know, I could I can and I can still do this. Sit and read a book and completely close out everything. I can be in a very noisy place and just close out the world and fall into a book or or watch. These days, it's not so much books. It's uh, you know movies or something um yeah and kind of tune out the rest of the world so your um, your imagination's really captured by stories yeah yeah mm. yeah yeah and uh yeah so uh yeah i don't know where we were going with that oh, but you know it doesn't matter really <laughs> no 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 it doesn't matter we're free we're jazzing we're, we're jazzing, jazzing. <laughs> um, oh jazz i loved you know you I love jazz jazz is my favorite genre is it mm. ah mm. I love the free form. Ah. Mm. Um, so you went to a few different primary schools. And any, secondary schools. And secondary schools. What would you like to talk, tell us about um, um, uh, memorable experiences in primary and secondary school? Oh, gosh. Well, Maybe I, you start with primary school. Primary schools. school. Hmm. Did well, you have a best friend? Um, not, yeah, gosh, I... I can't say that I was – I think I was – because I was a bit nerdy, I was a bit of a loner and a, sort of into books and stuff. But my primary school memory, particularly in, in Traralgon when we lived, was um, um, I used to do ballet and I used to have to get – if I wanted to go to ballet class, which was one of my passions – I had to get on the bus by myself from so I used to get Wednesday afternoons off. So it was Wednesdays and Saturdays. Off school to off go to ballet. To go to ballet. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And that I was think, all okay by the teachers and everything. Well I used to just yeah, do it, it anyway. Was fine. Ah. I used to get all the work done and still be able to do that. So um, yeah, they didn't seem to have a problem with that. So yeah, did you knock off school early because you had to travel yeah, to go I had to, to get class. on the bus? So that yes. the the school was in Traralgon and the uh, ballet school was in Morwell. So How many cases is that? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I think what, it was more about than 50 a, or something? Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, Bit of a distance a, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. and by myself and wow. How in old primary school. Uh, year five. Like so, 10? Yeah. Wow. 11. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't let – I don't know if you'd let in your kid. kid travel alone on a bus <laughs> – I don't know. Anyway, it's what what happened then. What yeah. kind of dancing did you do? Um, Chiquetti. Chiquetti ballet. Chiquetti, yeah. what's that? Uh, it's a kind of, it's a, um, actually I don't know where Chiquetti originated, probably Russia, but it's uh, a very formal uh, and formalised form of ballet that has uh, quite a structure to it and, uh, um, you know, grades that you go up and... On points. Yeah, yeah. I went to dancing yeah. school. Yeah, oh, did well. you? Yeah, but I didn't do strict ballet. I ballet. I didn't ballet. do strict ballet. I did like jazz and tap and song uh, and dance. And yeah. I had girlfriends though who did straight up ballet with mm. their points. The and, points. Mm. Yeah. How so, many years did you dance for? Oh, um, until I was in uh, year seven. 
Yeah, and yeah, my sister came along and she wasn't very well when she was a baby and I did a lot of um, looking, caring for her, helping mum to care for her. Um, uh, and yeah, so I just decided I I would give it up. But, you know, I've also did, uh, I took it up, not Chiquetti again, but modern dance later on in life. Oh, you did? Yeah, just for, you. just for, you know, fun. And it didn't last for very long. But anyway, that yeah, so that's that's one of the memories. And one of the other memories is that I actually won a, uh, uh, one of the competitions in the Estedford down there. Congratulations yeah. <laughs> for your solo performance. For my solo. Mm-hmm. Well done, Sue. That's, yeah. that's great. That's a great memory. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember dancing really well for that? It's like, you know, when you see sports people interviewed on tv after they've really won something and they've blitzed it just felt right mm, that's that's a memory i have of it that in the zone in i was in the zone yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah anyway mm, and so yeah go on uh what was high school like high school was um is that still down in Tarogan? uh in my first year it was and then i went, I went we moved to Dandenong and I did the rest of my high school in Dandenong at two different schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, I'd been in girls' school um, all the way through until year 11. And wow. So then I was in mixed classes and it was kind of odd. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was an odd feeling and, yeah. Um, wow. Having boys in the class and I was a very skinny <laughs> you know underdeveloped teenager <laughs> I felt very invisible <laughs> wow yeah as a teenage girl though or or boy you 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 hate on yourself so much no matter what you look like yeah you that's know, right whether you've got big mm. boobs small boobs mm. larger hips smaller thighs you mm. just hang it on yourself anyway mm. it's hard age yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess it is yeah, I do remember though that we m- mum used to give us money once a week to buy our, our lunch, and um, I always used to buy cream bun. <laughs> I used to eat nice. around all of the, the cream and eat the cream last because it was the best bit. <laughs> <laughs> and your love of um, reading and education continued through right through your high school years. Yeah, although I left school in year eleven. Oh yes. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, went and joined a bank um, and, you know, because there wasn't really in those days, there weren't really a lot of options for girls. That was common to leave high school then, wasn't it? Yeah, especially for women. You know, you were, mm. it was expected that you would just... Go and start working. You'd leave school, start working and then you'd get married and have children and, and you know, it was almost like... A, you know, a waste of time <laughs> um, going any further. Um, luckily, that's changed. <laughs> was and, of uni- course, there were Sorry. there were occupations that women were not, were excluded from, um, lots of them, mm, including the one that I eventually ended up in, mm. um, which is before law. I, I worked as a flight attendant. Oh, wow. With... Um, TAA then, oh yes, and then, Qantas, uh, then Australian Airlines and Qantas. So it became uh, it changed that history is quite the story itself. But um, yeah, but it, when I joined, women couldn't be pilots, and there was the amazing Debbie Wardley um, who took 
ANSET Airlines at the time to the uh, on the very first anti-discrimination case in Australia against ANSET for not employing her wow. as a pilot, even though she had all of the qualifications and all of the um, uh, skills required. Um, and it was, and they were really overt because it, they said stuff then about her that you it just would be not accepted now like well no because she's a woman we can't it's not safe and <laughs> to have her in the cockpit <laughs> she's just really weird <laughs> what year did this was in this the 1980s case? yeah uh, early yeah. 80s the sex discrimination act was passed in 1984 and hers i think and uh, gosh test my memory there kelly <laughs> <laughs> um and uh hers was the first case so around about then yeah, the Sex Discrimination Act. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. That's the very first um, um, legislation in Australia that um, basically uh, made it not legal for women to be discriminated against on the base basis of their gender. Wow, that's um, yeah, world changing. Yeah, and it's not that long ago. Yeah, mm. and I remember the discussions at work. People, people were outraged. Oh no, you can't have women in the cockpit. There's even interesting transcript um, talking about how, you know, it's not safe because you know they're a distraction, and you know, which is kind of really silly. Like the men I know are not distracted that much by women; <laughs> they can't do their jobs. But that's kind of the inf- inference in this really silly stuff. Really silly stuff. Yeah, um, that they were saying, you know, um, yeah, all sorts of crazy, uh, yeah. But I remember because I was working in the airline at the time and the discussion happening um, that it's just, you know, better to just have, you know, the cockpit's a place for men, Mm. which is, thank goodness that's changed. And there's lots of um, women who are pilots now, which is brilliant. Mm. Um, why did you go down that avenue? Um, oh, look, I, I really like that sense of freedom. I liked the idea of feeling free and, and um, travelling. And, you know, I guess if someone had said to me, would you like to be a pilot? I guess I would have said, yeah, hey, show me, the, show me how. But it wasn't an op- option. It didn't even occur to me, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I became a... Uh, cabin crew member Mm. and Mm. um, how long did you do that for Mm. 19 and a half years oh my goodness sue tell us about it (laughs) well during that time what's life like as as in that role um what's the job like it's uh well it's changed a lot since then um it's it's a job that's never the same um each day it's different uh, and uh, you meet um, amazing people and you work with amazing people um, and you get to travel and stay in in um, amazing places, you know. Uh, so, yeah, lots of fun. We used to have lots and lots of fun uh, and do lots of naughty stuff that I'm not going to mention. <laughs> we did a lot of partying too, which, um, you know, is behind me. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it it was just fun and we had it, it felt like a it was really nice because we felt like a family and I'm still in touch with lots of people that I um, worked with 
in those days. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was a really, it, it was a great job because it enabled me to, well, it, it inspired my move into law um, because I was around when the pilots dispute happened and um, some of your listeners will know about, you know, in the 80s when the pilots um, all basically resigned en masse because they had a big um, dispute, industrial dispute was huge and uh, with the airlines and I was part of the union and the flight attendants union and we were co-located with the pilots union and so we, we uh, I, I learned about you know, I got involved with industrial law and, and that really sparked my interest in law because when I left school, if you sort of said to me, oh, you should do law, I would have gone, oh, get out of here, boring. And now I'm a lawyer and, whoops, oh, just made a very bad sound there. I knocked something on the desk. Um, and I, it's not boring at all. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I encourage anyone out there to become a lawyer, the kind of and work in places that I've worked in. It's really inspiring. Mm. All right, let's talk a bit about that. Um, we'll go to another couple of announcements and another track, and we'll come back and speak about your journey into law and 3CR. And you're listening to Radical Australia on the mighty 3CR Community Radio, a very special International Women's Day broadcast with Kelly and Sue Robertson. We'll be back after these messages. I spent the evening with the radio Regret the moment that I let you go Has your subscription lapsed? We want you back. Spend more than the evening with us. Reunite with us. Subscribe to 3CR and get excited. Call 9419 8377 or donate online, 3cr.org.au. And let's get back together. It'll feel so good. Something revolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating
feel the pain, feel the joy, and sidestep the little bits of history repeating. listening to 855 AM. Hello, you're listening to 855 AM 3CR Radical Australia, um, a very special International Women's Day broadcast with host Kelly and very special guest Sue Robertson, whose time I've eaten up <laughs> so much with um, less time to talk about your um, life in law but um you want to tell us something about um the song we just played and its meaning to your life sue sure so that song well i mean let on a day like today what a female voice that is and it's a voice that i grew up listening to um so my parents loved shirley bassey when i was young and so i heard it in my childhood um, that song is a song that I used to play to my law students. So I became a legal academic. I taught law at tertiary level and I used to use it to introduce one of my lectures. And it was a lecture about um, that encompassed ideas about how law is just like that history repeating and the, the law that we have operating right now is the same. Um, it's the, the system where... Um, legal concepts are taken from the past and repeated, used repeatedly and um, moulded to fit um, contemporary the contemporary world and the cases that, that they're applied to. So, uh, excuse me, yeah, the ideas of history repeating um, apply to the what's called the common law system, which is the old school judge-made law um, that law students are still taught and I also think that sometimes when it's a little bit frustrating on International Women's Day sometimes you, you the things you like uh, you get, I get really excited when I hear you know when something really amazing happens like I, I remember when Julia Gillard was um, elected Prime Minister and I, I was so happy I cried and then I was the next thing that happened that really registered for me in that sphere was that Donald Trump got 
elected as president of the United States and it felt like history repeating to me, like, um, you know, a return, you know, a sort of a back backward step. Um, and I, mm. I got sad for a, a complete, you know, for that happening, yeah. So um, that's what it means to me. It's a, a very... Um, that we need to to learn to look at history and make sure that the things that we repeat are the right things. And and it's also really great that um, on International Women's Day we can reflect on on the things, the progress that we've made, and the things and the times where we don't want history to repeat. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> what does um, feminism mean to you? Ah, feminism. Well, gee, haven't got enough time left in the <laughs> in the interview. Um, it's about equity. So, and when I say equity, I mean, um, you know, it, an equal share of everything uh, for everyone. And I, you know, I think it reverses as well. You know, I talked about my early life where um, the things that women were not allowed to do and occupations we were not allowed to enter into. Well, when I became a flight attendant, there were no male flight attendants in the domestic airline sphere. So there are things that about um, the sort of um, patriarchal structure that uh, um, confine men in a just as damaging way as they confine yeah, it women. Oppresses, it oppresses mm. everybody. Yeah, it does. And it's the, for me, it's about that, that equity across... With you know, without boundaries, where everyone can spread their wings like in aviation, you can just yeah. go fly like Wouldn't a that bird. Be a great thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that we could um, arrange to have you come back in in a couple of months' time, so we can really spend the time to um, talk about your legal career because mm-hmm. um, that's fascinating to know and. Um, how you ended up at 3CR, ah. what it's like um, working on the Dunby Law Program uh-huh. and um, your experience being a trainer here. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Oh, great. Yeah. It's just not enough time in an hour to... I thought there'd be heaps of time, <laughs> to be quite honest. You know, <laughs> I really wanted for you to have the opportunity to talk about, you know, your parents and those formative years and yeah. it's not um, often that we get the opportunity to talk about those things. It's, so yeah. it's kind of nice to kind of pay respects to our elders as well and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So that would be great if we could get you to come back in again in a couple of months. Yeah, I'd but, be um, totally up for that. Good. Less nervous next time, I think. <laughs> and how have how have you gone? Um, how do you reckon we've gone f- um, taking over the show today? I reckon go, sisters. <laughs> That's what I reckon. It's yes. been nice. Been really nice. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, great um, sharing sharing. I don't know. I don't think it's that interesting a story, but <laughs> I guess everyone says that on this side of the, the yeah. microphone. Mm. But it's, it's your unique life and that's what's mm. uh, wonderful about it. Mm. All right, Sue, thank you. Thank you, Kelly. And um, we'll play another announcement and finish up with our last song and let's uh, let folks know what we've got coming up in it with our last song. Is that Lizzo? Lizzo. What song did we decide on? Um, I can have a look in my notes. But it's Lizzo. Damn, 
about damn time. Yeah, that's right. Yes, and of course, I think that's fairly explanatory for today, <laughs> self-explanatory. <laughs> Great track. Thanks, Sue, once again. You've been listening to Radical Australia on the Mighty 3CR for International Women's Day, and coming up next is Brainwaves, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Is that bitch a clock? Yeah, it's thick, 30. I've been through a lot, but I'm still flirty. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03-9419-8377. Be a part of your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.